Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. Hey, well, you know, today is the day of Pentecost also. So, you know, wow. So I'm not going to give you a message about the day of Pentecost. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. But, uh, well, we're Pentecostals, right? So every day is a day of Pentecost for us. That's sort of how I look at it. I'm thinking, why? Uh, oh, okay, you know, once a year you celebrate your birthday because you do have a life, but, um, you know, the longer you go, you kind of forget about that kind of stuff. But I haven't forgot to, to, that this is a really an important day uh, for the church because this was the day the church was born, right? But even more important, it's the day that, that's... The, the, the promise, everybody say the promise, of the Father was given to us. There's many promises, over I think over 7,000 promises in the Bible, but there's only one the promise. That's what, how it talks about the Holy Spirit, the promise. That's how important the Holy Spirit is to us. So I'm not going to give you a message about the day of Pentecost, but I am going to give you a, a message about what Pentecost has given to us. Amen? And actually what I want to talk to you about this morning is uh, mental health, okay? Mental and emotional health. Um, this is a really important uh, subject. Um, I realize in my life, uh, looking back over my life, all my life I've been around people who've suffered with mental health issues. I can remember the first time I really, it was kind of became a, a clear thing to me. A friend of mine's uh, grandma died. And this is back in the days when they put the body in the house. Anybody remember those days? You went, you didn't go to the funeral home to view the body. You, they had them in the house, which I hated that when I was a kid. Like, oh, I don't want a dead body in the house. You know, get me out of this. I'm not sleeping here with a dead body. Uh, I didn't really like dead bodies growing up. But I remember going to my friend's house and, uh, or to his grandma's house to, to be with him, but you know, to, to really just support him. Uh, and I was young, fairly young guy. Uh, and, and, but he had an aunt that was, had severe mental issues. And I'll just never forget the aunt coming in to, to view her mom and tell her mom goodbye. And the, just the brokenness that that brought on the whole, everybody in the room, the, the brokenness of this person who, who had a mama who, and this was a grown woman probably in her 40s or 50s maybe even that she had a mom all her life who had taken really good care of her and now the mama was gone and I could only imagine you know in her her mental state what was happening with her heart but it really severely or tremendously impacted my heart uh, and gave me a real uh, even as a as a young person a really concern for people who suffer with mental health issues. Uh, and so, uh, I remember another story. I'm just going to tell you a couple of things that have been impacting to me. A few years after that, I was, uh, my uncle asked me to go with him to get a friend of his who had been institutionalized in Raleigh at the state mental hospital. Um, and that was, a, that was a shock for a 13-year-old uh, to walk into to a mental hospital uh, and see the condition of people in there. Um, uh, the way they had to live, and it, it was just traumatic to 
to see, you know, what has happened to humanity, uh, you know, especially when a person has mental issues, uh, <clears throat> and the shame and the stigma that is attached to mental health issues. It's, it's just terrible because, um, you know, we would hear about a friend who's suffering with heart problems or kidney problems or cancer, and we'd have a lot of empathy and compassion and concern. But when we hear of people that have mental issues, it's, it's a whole different thing. We don't really look at it the way we should. We should look at it just like, just like those things. It's a sickness. It's, it's a terrible sickness that afflicts a person's mind. And it just, it's just sort of heartbreaking uh, that culture acts like it treats these people well, but they, culture doesn't treat these people well, okay? Uh, go into a state mental hospital even today. They're not treated well at all. And I don't think we as, as believers have looked at people with issues like this. I don't think we've looked at them right. We've not looked at them as a sickness, but as, you know, a stigma. There's something wrong with them. They're demonized, and many of them are. Well, every disease comes from the devil, you know. Anyways, I'm going to, that's what I want to talk to you about. And, I, you know, obviously being uh, in the kind of line of work I'm in, I've been exposed to a lot of people over the years with mental health issues. Many people. I mean, from just depression and chronic grief all the way to mental breakdowns uh, where they were, had to be institutionalized, where they had to be hospitalized and, and, and drugs given to them to keep them from, you know, doing terrible things. And many people that I've uh, connected with over the years uh, people who wanted to kill themselves, literally. Um, it's just terrible. There was one uh, guy who was in the church for years, and him and his wife were having difficulties. Uh, I'm, I'll never forget this one because of the way it turned out. And so they came for help. And and what I gathered with this guy, he looked normal, he acted normal, but I gathered there was something... In, his, in the conversation is his dad had passed away a few years ago and he was still in major grief over it. And I realized then there was something that was not, con there was something wrong with him. There was something wrong with him emotionally and mentally. Uh, it wasn't just a, a marriage problem. It was a, it was a person problem. And y'all, I will be honest with you. And Dr. Steve Elliott sitting in here, he can call me out if I say anything wrong because he knows a million times more about this stuff than I do. But most of the problems that I've seen in marriages are not marital problems. It's people problems. It, it, if you could help the person get fixed, the marriage seems to take care of itself in my, most cases. Now, we all can do better at relating to our spouse, obviously. But lots of our issues are, are in, in our marriages, in all of our relationships, are, comes from brokenness in our, in our minds, in our emotions. There's this brokenness there. There's things in us that need to be healed that comes into the marriage that brings a lot of baggage into the marriage and, and causes the marriage to not be healthy and whole. And, and then people wind up doing things they shouldn't do. So, um, anyways, this particular guy... You know, he, he really wouldn't, wouldn't allow himself to be helped. And he eventually moved away. And one day he called me uh, 
seemed so happy and asked if he could come to church Sunday and, and share a testimony. And I said, won't you just come by and let's chit-chat a little bit so we can get reacquainted. And, and I realized when he came by, you know, he was divorced at this time. And he was very mentally ill. And it just crushed me. It crushed me that he was so, he was so far gone and that he'd never really uh, allowed himself to get help. And so I just told him I really probably didn't want him sharing a testimony as, as nice as I could be because you really have to be real careful with people. You don't want to take your foot and push them into the hole. But at the same time, you don't want to expose everybody to something that might not be so healthy. That's sort of a balancing act. But of course, he never showed up because he's still running, actually running from himself and his own, his own brokenness. Well, that's a great introduction to a message, isn't it? And I'm just talking myself into a deep hole here. I want to just read. <laughs> Sorry about that. This is important. There's redemption at the end of this. Believe me, I don't, I'm not a despairing human being. Uh, I, I, a, a while back, I felt like I had this... Um, I think it came from emotional burnout, okay, where I felt inwardly, I felt, this is what I thought, oh my gosh, all that God has done in my life all, over all the years is crumbling inside of me. That's the way it felt. I felt, I just felt emotionally unstable and began to have all these questions coming at me about my identity and about everything. And fortunately, I was able to talk to Becky, which, Lord help Becky. She has bored me over the years. My issues, because she was in a rough time. You're not my pastor. <laughs> and me, when she tries to talk to me, and I'm like, okay, this is what you do. A, B, C, D, period. Let's move on. <laughs> and, you know, Byron Wicker, I've spent all this time listening to you. and You want to give me A, B, C, D, and don't sermonize me. Her famous words one time to me was, when she was in a rough time, Asked this lady these questions, the same questions she was asking me. And guess what the lady tells her? The same thing I say, but she walks away like this is the greatest revelation there ever was. And I'm thinking, what? You know, sometimes it's just the person holding the medicine spoon, right? Sometimes you just don't want to get it from some people. Well, let me read Psalm 88. Verse 1 through 3, because this is just a fascinating psalm in the Bible. Uh, it's, it says, O Lord, God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. This is cool so far, right? Incline your ear to my cry. Listen to this, verse 3. For my soul is full of troubles. My soul is full of troubles. And my life draws near to the grave. If you read the rest of the psalm, which I think is 18 verses, I'll read the last verse in a minute. The whole verse is this, what verse 3 was. It's a, it's, here's this man, he was at, apparently, and what a lot of Bible scholars believe about him, there's not much in the Bible about him, but there's a little bit. There's enough to believe that this man suffered from chronic depression his entire life. Okay, this man was... Uh, he was a Levite. He was one of three men who was selected by King David to lead worship in Israel. He was a very high-level gifted musician, composer, and leader. In fact, during the days of Solomon, he was considered a man of great wisdom. Yet he, this was his psalm that he wrote. It was a psalm of, of great uh, despair 
Uh, and it's kind of one of those psalms when you read it, it, you get to the end and you're like, uh, we never got to the good part. That's kind of how you feel. I mean, you can put up with some of that, right? I mean, I'm kind of like, okay, I can go a little ways with you, but I got to get to a good place. Don't leave me in darkness, right? But he leaves us in darkness. He really does. But I think one of the keys, if you, if you can look past that, is what you'll see in this man. This man never, never gave up on his faith. Because the whole psalm, he's, cry, he's crying out and believing God and, and asking God and, and reaching for God to do something for him. He never rejected the Lord, although some of his, his uh, theology I would not agree with. Like I don't agree with most people's theology when they're in darkness. I don't agree with my theology when I'm depressed or if I'm messed up. Because most of the time, it's incorrect. Most of the time we think things. We think, God, why did you do this to me? Why had you let this happen? Which is really not good theology on any level. Uh, so let me read uh, verse 18. This is one that I've found with many people. Um, this is what he said. This is the last verse. This is how he ends it. Loved ones and friends you have put far from me and my acquaintance into darkness. So... What I have found, what this man found with people who are suffering mentally from mental health and emotional issues, we, they're deceived into believing, okay? There's a deception that comes, like with him, that you have no friends, no one cares for you, and that you're actually not even worthy of being loved and cared for. That's, that's what he was saying. He didn't even feel worthy. He felt like he had nobody. He was living in this place of, of darkness. And so that's how, how a lot of these people feel. And, and uh, I realize it can be very frustrating to deal with somebody who, like somebody who has chronic anxiety, you know, who try to live normally, but really inside they're anxious about everything that's going on around them. And it, it can be so frustrating because, uh, you know, I don't know about y'all, you know, you want to fix people, right? You want to help people. That's, that's what's in us. Like, we can help you. We, got, we know something that will help you. I can tell you how God has helped me. He can do this for you. But I, I know people that everything you would say to them, every truth you would tell them, every testimony that you give them, every example you would give them, they would say this, that doesn't work for me. I've already tried that. You know, and you know what the truth is? They're, they're, they're telling the truth. They're telling their truth. It didn't work for them. A Bible verse didn't free them. An encounter with the Holy Spirit that was powerful to them at the moment, but they got up and walked away still broken. Are you hearing what? Let's get real here. That's, this is the reality of the world we live in. Okay, and what the Lord, but what here's, but see, God has an answer. God is looking to give us answers. I'm going to read this one verse here that everybody knows. <laughs> I love this verse though. 3 John 1 2. Beloved, I pray that you may, may prosper in all things and be in health, just as what? Your soul prospers. That word prosper there means have a prosperous journey. Be successful in, your, in what you attain to do. There's a promoting of success in your life. And that's really what God's heart is for every believer. Okay? That he wants us 
to have prosperity in the sense of our soul. He wants us to our life to be prosperous. He wants our relationships to be prosperous. He wants our, you know, whatever we put our hands to do, He wants us to prosper at it. He wants us to, to, to enjoy the life He's given us and walk in a certain amount of, of success and prosperity, whatever that may mean for every person. And that's what God's heart is. But, he, but what He does, He ties all the outward stuff, all the outward things that can happen in our life. He ties it to the health of our mind and our emotions and our will. He ties it there. So everything, if, if we're going to be, and we, I tell people this all the time, you can't, you can't be fixed from the outside. If we try to fix you from the outside, it won't work. We had to fix, you had to be fixed on the inside. If you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, just saying stop doing it is not the ultimate answer. We've got to find out what's motivating you and go into that place, help you find God in that place, and help God to correct you there. Now, obviously, there's some things we should stop doing. Like, for instance, if you're speeding all the time, you're going to get a ticket, and your insurance is going to go up. Okay, and then every time you get in your car, you're going to be a little afraid that you're going to make a mistake and get another ticket. And your insurance will get canceled. You do not want your insurance canceled because it is really hard to get insurance once this gets canceled. Speaking to somebody I know. And I, one time I had to go to classes because I had so many points on my <laughs> license. My daddy said, you're either going or I'm taking the license from you and taking the keys from you. So you go to that class he was so mad at me he should have shot me (laughs) so let me I'm going to read this to you maintaining I wrote this maintaining good mental and emotional health enables us to enjoy life build meaningful relationships excel in our careers and personal endeavors conquer challenges stay productive and keep learning and developing and make a positive difference in the lives of others Isn't that amazing? That's the health of your soul. Enables you to do all of that. When you're not emotionally or mentally healthy, you know this on a personal level, you're not much good to anybody, much less yourself. Your marriage is going to suffer. Your work's going to suffer. If you're doing ministry, it's going to suffer. All of it's going to suffer. Are you all with me this morning? This is a great Pentecost service. (laughs) Tongues of fire, baby. Come on. I'll take it all day. If tongues of fire started right now, I'll throw this microphone through the window. I don't care. Because I would love to have some fire coming into this room like that. Just remembering. Oh, our mental and emotional health significantly affects our spiritual health. It significantly does. Hey, I was sick in my body this week. You know how spiritual I was when I was sick in my body? I mean, we're talking in the negative realm. I mean... Ne- totally negative. Like uh, I don't feel like reading the Bible. I don't even know what I don't even know what I just read. You know what I'm saying? You just get it's when you are suffering in any ways, it's going to impact you. You know when you are burned out, or you're just emotionally overloaded, or you're just feeling unstable for whatever reason. You, you know, it's going to affect your relationship with the Lord. It really is. Much less all these other relationships. So this. 
What I'm talking about is huge here, and it's huge in the Bible. That's, that's my whole, what I want us to see. God really cares about our mental and emotional health. He deeply cares about it. That's why the Bible is absolutely packed with it. The problem with it, here's what the problem is. No matter where you jump into this thing called the mind, the emotions, the will, and the Bible, you're just jumping into a corner of it. I mean, the, the more I've looked into it, the bigger it has gotten to me. It's got like there's, there's so much. Everything seems to be tied around this subject. This is such a, such a great subject. Think about Jesus, the, the crown of thorns on his head. You know, what he was trying to do is, 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 is free us from the curse and give us the psychological health that we really need. See, I mean, even even in that, even in, in there's just so much. That's, I mean, that's a, a beautiful thing. Um, so God uh, w- wants to work in us to, to prosper our souls. Uh, Psalm 23, verse 3, it says, God restores our soul. God rest-. So that's one of the great things about a shepherd. A shepherd wants to go after our mental health. Um, so I think this morning... You know, while I'm talking for the next few minutes, I'm not going to talk over talk this. Um, God may want to heal you this morning of something. That's what I'm asking for. I'm not asking for some teaching. I'm asking for, I'm asking for a demonstration, Lord. We need some help here, Lord. We live in a world whose minds is broken beyond measure, and people are doing things that are going that are destroying lives. And one of these days, the church is going to get stuck. With some of these people who've grown up to be adults who've been exposed to things and things have been done to them. And what are we going to do? We need to really have an answer. We need to have the power of God to give them, to fix them. But we need to let that happen to ourselves, right? I'm into this, okay? Um, Like I said, I grew up with it. We've had family members that had severe mental health issues. I mean severe. I mean that that was crazy. Where you would just watch a beautiful person just go to nothing and, and just be so broken they can't even function in life. It's just a tragedy where you could, you know, everybody around him was trying to talk him through just to get through the moment. Afraid they may kill themselves or something. But I have seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord a few times uh, with people who want to kill themselves. Not just to stop it. The Lord's really enabled us to stop some people from killing themselves. I had one, I think I've told y'all this, Lord, one night we had three people come in this, into this building wanting to kill themselves. Separate. We didn't know, we didn't, we were too dumb to know anything, right? All we just knew is God wanted to help them. And then every one of them got back to me and said, I was coming here and I was going home and I was literally going to kill myself. And God delivered them. I'm telling you, God can do that, y'all. God wants to deliver people from that kind of stuff. Okay? He really does. And we have, and I am totally 100% all in to medical science, what it can do for people. I've told people, some people, okay, in the meantime, you may get on medication. Okay? There's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in it. I put glasses on every morning. I don't feel shame putting my glasses on because I can't see good. I'm waiting on a healing. But in the meantime, I need to be able to see. 
So if you're a person this morning and you're suffering from anything and you're having to use medicine, there is no shame. And if anybody ever shames you, send them to me and I'll get Marlon to beat them up. <laughs> we need to be freed from that. So I, and, I'm, and I'm into counseling, helping people walk through their issues. Okay, that's why God gives us people with counsel. Okay. Well, one of the reasons I got into all this years, I, I wanted to tell you this. I got into all this years ago when I got this word from uh, this prophet. And this is what he said. He said, the Lord's going to use you to heal people's minds and their vision. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And I never thought about uh, the mind until that moment. I never thought about people's vision to that moment. At that moment, I began to consider it. And it wasn't long after that uh, that a guy I knew uh, called me one day and asked me, can he come talk to me? And so I was at my house. I said, yeah, come by the house. And he came to the house, and when he walked in, this was a big guy, okay? I mean, a big guy. He was real messed up in his mind. And I could tell it by the way he was talking. So the first thing I want to do is i got to get him out of the house uh, because I can't be trapped in here this, in this house if this, this guy goes off, okay? Because I'm telling you, I've been around people that have gone off physically on me because, they're, because they have lost it in their mind, okay? So I knew i got to get him out of the house and get him onto the porch, and I can sit there and talk to the guy which we did, and I was able to talk to him and get him at least to a place where he was, the anxiety and the anger and everything that was going on in him got calm, where he got to a state of, you know, more of a state of peace. And I went up praying for him, and it was the weirdest prayer, the weirdest thing I'd ever felt in my entire life, because it felt physical to me, but it wasn't physical. I put my hands on this guy's head, and I thought what I was feeling was movement in his head. That's what I thought. I thought, oh, God, this is weird. Your head don't move inside of it. <laughs> right? That's what I was like. This can't be right. <laughs> and I believe to this day it wasn't necessarily a physical thing. I think it was God was letting me feel what he was doing. That guy left my house 100% whole. I mean, I mean, in his right mind, his right intention, okay? And as far as I know, he lived the rest of his life like that. So that was a really, a, and I thought, well, hey, I go heal anybody. <laughs> Bring me the craziest person there is. Well, that was a crazy thought. I think, look in the mirror. <laughs> and so I've prayed for a lot of people, and I've seen a lot of failure. Um, I've just had my heart broken over kids that have learning disabilities. It's my heart broken, uh, praying for children that struggle in school and, and, and not seeing them do it. That's, that's, that's a mental issue. That's, that's something that needs to be fixed. We've got to fix that. We can't let these kids live their life on you know, taking medication to help them do okay in school. You know how terrible that is to a child to not do well in school, what it does to their self-esteem? And, you know, and, and the school system got issues on that, but that's not my, I can't address that. I'm, I'm taking way too much time on this. Um, and I've tried to help some people that I've not been able to help, honestly. 
and it was frustrating me to no end. And so I quit doing it for a while. I, just thought, I can't do it, Lord. It's just not there for me. Maybe one day it'll, it'll, it'll come back. Maybe one day it'll, it'll happen. But I'm just wasting people's time because they're coming in and leaving the same way. And I just can't. I can't bear it. I can't bear, you know, trying to help somebody. I got to find somebody else that can help them and get them to them because that's the thing. Well, we know the Lord can help anybody. But I feel like the Lord wants to stir this up in us. I feel like he does. I feel like he wants wholeness. Um, let me just tell you this real quick. Can I tell you three things from the Bible? I got to get off of this. This is messing me, my mind up. The Bible tells us this, okay? The New Testament tells us three things about our mind. Okay, this, I've been trying to talk to the mind about, tell about the mind, and I don't think I've been getting there with it. Okay? I really don't. I feel terrible about it. Uh, but I'm going to tell you this. This is easy, okay? Because I want you to know there's, the New Testament is full of the word M-I-N-D and T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G and emotions. It's all over it because Jesus wants to get into our mind. He wants to get into our emotions. He wants to get into our thinking. And He wants to do something for us. He wants to, he wants to prosper us in the realm of our soul so everything can prosper around us. Here's what first, first the Bible talks about the natural mind. Now, I I, this is important, okay? 1 Corinthians 2.14, are you all okay? Yes. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, okay? For they are foolishness to him. That's what it says. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So the natural person has a natural mind, a human mind. Okay, and the human mind operates off in five senses. That's where it gets all its information. Whatever your sight, hearing, taste, and smell, that's all it has. And that's all it processes with. Okay, but the, here's the thing about the natural mind. The natural man, mind is not evil. Okay, it's not evil. It's actually a good thing. God has given us a beautiful thing, a beautiful mind, natural mind. And God wants us to develop our mind. He wants us to develop our intellect. He wants us, that's why people go to school. That's why we work. Do you want your kids to be dumb and, and can't function in this world? Because that's how we function in this world. God helps us. And, and so we all have a responsibility to, to develop our minds, to develop whatever God has given you to do in life, whatever skill, whatever purpose, whatever, you know, calling or, you know, career, is we should work hard to learn and grow in our intellect, right? My dream when I retired, I was going back to school because I can go to school for free now. I can go to UNCC for free because I'm a graduate, so I told Becky, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to college. No, you're not. I've lived my whole life with you. You're no stuck in books. <laughs> That's over with. You're not going back to school. That was my dream for all these years. Well, what if I did it online? <laughs> well, we're going to negotiate. <laughs> you know? But God really does want us to develop our, our natural mind. So I, don't ever say Byron Wicker believes intellect is bad. I think intellect's wonderful. I love smart people. I love talking to smart people. I learn from smart people. I want to learn. I want to be smart. I want my intelligence to increase. But here's the thing. 
your natural mind cannot receive anything from the Holy Spirit. It's limited. It was created to be limited. Okay? Apart from the Holy Spirit, your, your beautiful intellect will do nothing for you spiritually. Now, you need your intellect to help you. Here's the old saying. Can I just say it like this? It's, I love this. Uh, there was this great theologian that went, went to one of Heidi Baker's services. Y'all know who Heidi Baker is? She's amazing. Um, he went to one of her services, and he was sitting on the front row. And she, Of course, Heidi Baker's crazy. People don't know that. She's a maniac. Have you ever heard anybody, seen anybody lay on the floor and preach laying on the floor? I mean, just so blasted by the Holy Spirit. And she's saying it. It's hilarious. But you know, a lot of people don't know this. Heidi Baker is high-levelly educated. She's brilliant. She's probably genius-level IQ. And one of the greatest missionaries ever, I would consider to be an apostle. Uh, but there was this guy there who's a theologian, and obviously he was really having a hard time with her because uh, she was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and she went, and she actually though they wanted the guy to get prayed for by him. You know what she did? She put her hand on his head and said, "This too big, too little. Too big, too little. You get that? This is what needs to be big." The old saying: "Your mind is a great servant." Talking about your natural mind, but a terrible master. If you are ruled by your intellect. You are ruled by the wrong one because you will cut yourself off from the Holy Spirit. Period. That's, it says that. No argument. Oh, yeah, the fanatic in the attic. I'll tell you about that later. But, yeah. Okay, the other one, this is a little bit more tricky. Are y'all okay so far? i got to finish this. It's what they call the carnal mind. That really brings a lot of bad pictures to your mind, right? Carnal mind. If you're a man, it does give you some thoughts. Like, ooh. That's not good. But carnal mind, Romans 8, 5 through 7. For those who live according to the flesh set what their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. It'll kill you. It'll destroy you. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is at enmity or hostile. That's what that word means. It's hostile. Your carnal mind, your carnal thinking is against God. And it can't be subject to God. It can't be. So a carnal mind is a mind that is set on the flesh. Now listen, the flesh is not your old sinful nature. Do you all understand that? Your old sinful nature is crucified. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about your old sinful nature because he's in Paul's teaching is that's dead. That doesn't count no more. I remember when I first got saved, this is what I thought. When I heard about, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. Well, why do I still want to sin so much? I literally thought that. Did y'all think that? Like, dang, I still want to sin. I'm still thinking bad stuff and I'm supposed to be dead. I ain't feeling dead. I'm feeling as live. In other words, I got saved yesterday, and I'm still just as bad yesterday, today as I was yesterday. Okay? And it's, number one, I was in the, under the wrong impression that... I'm taking too much time on this, y'all. I was in the, under the wrong impression that sin got done away with. 
I thought, oh, sin's gone. Never worry about sin again. Well, it turns out sin didn't get done away with. What got done away with was my sinful nature. But my memories, okay, and my habits and all of those things that I was doing up until that point didn't go away. They had to be dealt with. And that's what Paul's talking about. I, I love, I'm going to give you this little, hopefully this works. The flesh refers to how we use our bodies and personalities when we do not rely on the Holy Spirit. This includes how we learn how to cope with life's difficulties. What's your coping mechanism? Is it sandwiches? Right? Everybody has a coping mechanism. We all cope. You are a liar if you don't tell me you're coping. You're doing something. It may be something sweet. Oh, I'm going to go garden, but you're just fuming. Now, gardening can be a great thing to do when you're fuming, but if you're doing that to cope, that's the flesh. You hear what I'm saying to you? It's the flesh. And so there's a lot of other bad things that we could bring up about coping, but we're not going to do it. Huh? Shopping, yeah. Uh-uh. No, we're not doing that. What they call it, retail therapy? I hate that stuff, man. There's something really bad with that. That's a bad one. But people do it. Yeah, it's the flesh. It means living as, a, as if we are not Christians, even though we are. And all that brings death to us. It really does. That's, and that's what uh, Paul was talking about. Let me read one more verse on that. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through. Are you all going to be okay if we go a couple minutes over? He said, and I, brethren, this is First Corinthians, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as to babes in Christ. So right there, listen, right there, Paul's telling us Christian people, all of us, that we can be carnally minded. Every one of us. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until, you, until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're not still able, for you are not for, for you are still carnal. For where are the envy, strife, and divisions among you? Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Ooh, the carnal mind cannot receive the solid meat of the word of God. Number one, it just can't receive it. The carnal mind leads us into strife, competitions, and cliques. That's what it does. That's the fruit of it. The carnal mind causes us to live as mere men instead of being the people that God has said we are. The sons and daughters, the kings and priests, whoever you are particularly. That's what the carnal mind does. It keeps you. And it causes you to live like a mere man. A mere man can only get information from his five senses. He can never connect into the heavenly realm. He can never see with his spiritual eyes or hear with his spiritual ears. That's what he was telling him. You can't do any of that. I just gave you a great secret. If you really want to be spiritual, it starts with your mind. It really does. A renewed mind, which is the next one. Uh, are y'all good? This third mind in the Bible, there's three minds. Did you know you had three minds? You've got a natural mind. You've got a carnal mind. <laughs> now you can have a renewed mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your man, mind that you may prove what is good and accept and perfect will of God. 
The renewed mind is a mindset on the things of the Spirit, which leads to life and peace, mental and emotional health. That's what he said up there in Romans 5. The the spiritual mind leads to life and peace. That's opposite of mental and emotional disaster. And see, that's what Paul was trying to tell us there is there's a way for us. Omitted, the renewed mind is not instantaneous by any stretch of the imagination. It's a lifelong process. Of, of mental health, of having our minds renewed, having our minds cleansed of toxic thinking and being replaced. I told you all about that word neuroplasticity a few weeks ago, that your brain, you know, they used to think only five or six-year-old child's thinking and understanding could be, could be changed. But it, if you're 90, your thinking can be changed. It can be radically changed by the Holy Spirit. And see, it's, it's getting the Holy Spirit into our to our thought life okay that's why this is important okay I started out talking about mental illness okay to paint a picture and then this is these are how the Bible begins to answer that okay that there's an answer for just like there's an answer for cancer and all there's an answer for mental illness there's an answer for there's an answer for Alzheimer's because that's a wicked disease to steal a human being. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who's suffering from Alzheimer's. It's tragic. I have a brother right now. He don't even know me. He doesn't know me. I can go see him. He don't know. I know he, he acts like he does. I can call him on the phone. Hey, William, how you doing? I'm doing good. Who is this? This is Byron. Oh, Byron, how you doing? But he don't know me no matter the moon. I, I went to see him. Last time I went to see him, he was sitting in the lunchroom with these two pretty girls. <laughs> He knows how about pretty girls. And he didn't want to leave them. He wanted to stay with them. You know? And they finally said, you need to go with your brother. <laughs> I said, I'm his brother. But see, it stole him. It stole who he is. It stole his life. That's mental illness, man. That's something wicked. That's evil. Um, let me read 2 Timothy 1. I two more verses, okay? And I'm stopping. We had to do communion. Uh, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Sound mind is a renewed mind. There's only a, the sound mind is the mind of Christ. The sound mind is an anointed mind. The sound mind is a spiritual mind. They, they're all the same. Okay, that word sound mind there, that means a, sound, a mind that's disciplined and has control of its borders. It has control of its borders. In other words, stuff can't just go in there randomly okay here's what a lot of people believe we have control of what we think about we really do now there's an old saying that goes like this you've heard it you can't stop the birds from flying over your head but you can stop them from nesting in your hair you can stop this God has it says he he doesn't say, I'm going to, going to give you this it says he has given us a sound mind he's given us from the start, the ability to bring discipline into our thinking. Now, of course, if somebody's really broken mentally, you can't expect that, right? We'll get them to a point. They'll get healed. They'll go to the doctor or they'll get deliverance, whatever they need. Get to the point where they can begin to deal with controlling what's coming into their mind. 
Your imagination is so powerful, it can destroy you. It can absolutely destroy you. And we had to really get a better grip, grip on the, because Becky told me what I talked about, imagination was not working good. Because it's confusing to people. Because we think it's like kids, imaginary friends. It's way beyond that. It is so much more than that, biblically speaking. Uh, we have been blessed with the power to choose what we allow into our minds and what we choose to dwell on. Although it may seem like we lack control over our thoughts, we have the ability to shape our thoughts. We can do this because we have been given power, love, and a sound. So he's, we, we have the love of God and the power of God working to help us with this soundness. Everybody okay? One more scripture. Everybody knows this one, but this was a confusing one to me. I'm not doing too bad. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Don't you love that scripture? What about me still being tempted, Lord? That don't feel very new. That's the old Byron, right? What's the deal here? All things is what it says. I don't really get this all thing. What he is not talking about all things in the realm of our soul or in the realm of our body. He's talking about all things in the realm of the spirit. Do y'all understand that? Y'all understand that you have a body that's in touch with the world. That's what your body does. You have a soul which is in touch with you. Okay? And you have a spirit that's in touch with God. When you got born again... You didn't transition into a believer. You didn't transition in or transitioning to become righteous, to become holy. No, you, when you got born again in your spirit, you're 100% righteous, 100% holy, 100% a child of God, 100% your new identity. There's no, you know, I'm going to get there one day. None of that foolishness. It's all new. That's the all new. It's all. But the, the challenge is what's in us, in our spirit, has not yet manifested all the way in our bodies, in our souls, in our minds. That's why Paul says, if, if it had been, Romans 12, 2 wouldn't exist. He wouldn't be even talking about being transformed. He wouldn't be talking about babes in Christ. Which, by the way, I went to a conference one time with a friend of mine who was single, a single man. We were sitting there, and, and there were a lot of women at this conference. And he started talking to me about these babes in Christ. <laughs> and I was thinking, he was thinking everybody here in this conference was carnal. And he was saying, I really need to meet some of these babes in Christ. And I'm thinking, man, what in the world is, why would you want them hanging hang around with a bunch of carnal Christians? No, those pretty girls down there, they're babes in Christ. I thought, okay, I just thought I'd tell you that. It really happened. It really happened, babes in Christ. I'll never forget it. It gave a whole new definition to babes in Christ. Not a biblical definition. Well, anyways, we would have none of that, right? If they want this need for us. To allow the work of the Holy Spirit to go to work in the realm of our souls, um, in, in the realm of our minds, to begin to work to bring the person of Christ that's in your spirit 
to bring him into the realm of your soul where we become conformed to the image of Christ in the, even in the realm of our soul, in the realm of our emotions, in the, in the realm of our thinking. But see, that's, that's what, what we're doing on earth. That's one of God's great, great purposes for all of our lives. Otherwise, when we got saved, he would have killed us. Right? He would have just like, okay, you're saved, you're out. We'll leave a couple of evangelists here to get everybody else saved, and we'll kill you and so you can move you on to heaven. Right? No. He said, no, we're going to get you saved. We're going to leave you here, and there's going to be this thing that's going to happen here where you're going to walk through some things. You're going to experience some things, and I'm going to work in you to allow the Spirit of God, the Spirit of, of Jesus Christ to be formed in the realm of your soul. And that's going to transform your life. That's going to transform your thinking. That's going to heal the way you think. That's going to heal your relationships. That's going to heal you at work. That's going to heal you with your boss. That's going to heal you with your employees. That's going to make you a better citizen of this country. Okay? It's going to, it's, it's going to radically change you. But it's only going to radically change us to the, to the degree we allow this to happen in our life. Um, and that's really important. Uh, Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.